if you are not fully energized, you can't survive in advance, right? You just, you're just running like with the dimmer switch on. Failing. 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 I know. We talk about failure. Some battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's tough. I had to make some tough decisions. We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life. And a blessing. Achieve your dream. And then what we do with it. And this is Failing Forward. Welcome, everybody. I'm so excited because I am interviewing Cheryl Ann Skolnicki, and I'm I'm so excited for you to be here today, not only for our listeners, but frankly, for, for me, too. I want to start off with a quote that's from your website because I think it has so much to do with what I'm trying to do, what my mission and purpose is with Failing Forward. You said that everyone has a story, and most of that story lies well beneath the surface. I love that. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And for those of you um, who don't know, Cheryl Ann also has a podcast that you need to listen to and subscribe to. Thank you. Right? That would be great. All right. Tell our listeners, give us a little bit of background about you, where you grew up, a little bit of work history. Sure. So I am a small town girl from Pennsylvania. I grew up in northeastern Pennsylvania in the Poconos. Um, probably closest to New York City of any major city. Although after the office came out, everyone knows Scranton. So that helps a little with getting me located on a map. Yeah. Um, so I grew up there and went to school in upstate New York. And then um, after I graduated from college, I went to work for Procter & Gamble. And I worked for P&G for 15 years um, before I started the entrepreneurial chapter that I'm in now. I've been at that for about 10 years. And so is that what brought you to Cincinnati, working for P&G? It is. And, and it kept you here, right? Indeed. Yay. Yep. Yeah. So when I met my husband, which was in grad school in Atlanta, okay. um, I always say I met the only guy who was happy to move from Atlanta to Cincinnati because he grew up here. So it, it was like the only man who would have happily made the move, I think. I love that. He's a boomerang. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he is. I know. And I hope when your kids are older that they'll be boomerangs too. Yes. And there are three of them. So they are, my kids are nine, 12 and 15, girl, boy, girl. And um, they keep us running. So Brilliant Balance, which is the name of my company is, is sort of, uh, you know, it's a, a mantra that I have to live by every day. So what inspired you to leave corporate America and to go out on your own? You know, that is a question that I have been asked so many times, yeah. and I wish I had like the perfect answer for this. Like there was no moment in the middle of the night. There was no... You know, I will tell you, for me, it was a God moment. It was a, it was like a flash of insight that said, it's time, you really? know, it's time. And it, because I know it was that because it is so antithetical to my planner heart to not have a better plan behind it. Like it, it just was a moment where it was very clear that it was time. Um, I had been there 15 years. I loved my experience in that company. I did great work. I had great bosses. I ran great brands. Um, it really was like the role I thought I was going to have for the rest of my life. You know, I thought that's where I was going to be forever. Yeah. Cause I read that your parents were lifers in their careers. Yes. My mom was a teacher uh, her whole life. My dad worked for AT&T his whole life. Um, and that was, that was what I was taught was, you know, you, you went and got a good, safe job with great benefits and you stayed there. Yeah. Um, 
And I was really committed to that path um, until I wasn't. And you know, somewhere around that 15-year mark, it just became clear to me that the ladder I was climbing was not leading to a view I wanted to have. Okay, give like give more example of that. Cause I think a lot of people are at a fork in the road. Mm-hmm. And I think discernment can be challenging. So what were your indicators and how did you discern? Well, I live in the future. I feel like very naturally, mm-hmm. like instinctively, my wiring is so such that I'm kind of always focused on where I'm going. And so it's that has its downsides, right? It makes it hard to be fully present, enjoying the moment. But because I live in the future, um, I'm always thinking about where is this path leading? I I worry less about where I am right now than I do about the trajectory that I'm on. Yes. And so the trajectory that I was on was leading to, you know, probable roles that I just wasn't that interested in having. Um, you know, a growing family, but I did not leave to stay home with my kids. Um, and my husband's career was accelerating, but you know, we didn't leave so we could follow his career. It was really just the path was no longer leading to a place I was that interested in getting to. And I kept, I had this notion that there was a contribution I was supposed to make. There were gifts I'd been given that I was really, um, that I wanted to use. And I couldn't quite figure out how I was going to use those gifts in that career. Okay. Does that make how, sense? Yes. I love that. How did you, because, you know, some, I have a couple coaching clients and a few of their struggles seem to be really owning or understanding what those gifts are. So how, and I'm sure you coach people on this all the time, how did you know what those gifts are and how do you coach others to understand what those gifts are? So the hard thing about knowing your gifts, at least it was for me, is they seem so dumb and obvious, right? When they're (laughs) yours, you're like, how can this be? Doesn't everybody do this naturally? And I went through, for me, it was... um, the process called Strengths Finders. So you've probably heard of it. Yes. And when I went through that process, and I, I did it in a guided process, you know, didn't just read the book. I had a, someone involved in taking me through it. The insight that I got from that was one of my strongest gifts was communication. And you're such, and you're a writer. I am. Yeah. I, you know, I'm a writer and I have this podcast and I, I think so much of what, um, my full embracing of that as a gift led to, I, I say I'm a words girl. You know, I have this um, ability to put ideas into words. Mm-hmm. So what people often will say to me is, I've always known that, but I never had words for it. You know, I, 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 I get that. I've felt that, but I didn't know how to describe it. And you gave me words. Mm-hmm. So that, the, I think fully embracing that gift led to writing and podcasting and speaking and coaching all of it really is it leverages communication, communication. at the core mm-hmm. so and there I, were others but but that was one of the things that i felt like i was always going to be delivering someone else's words you know in the yeah. the path that i was on it was like building these brands but that marketing had to be done in a certain way or the recommendation had to be written in a certain way and it it started to feel constricting so StrengthsFinder, I think that's such a great tool. And actually, my husband used that uh, when he was at a transition. This is, God, how many years ago was this? 10 years. He was working 
Her corporation had worked there for 20 years and was just not feeling it anymore, but didn't really know where to go. And Strengths Finders helped him understand those strengths. Now, I am a very concrete thinker, and Strengths Finder was a little bit challenging for me because the strengths are more broad stroked, right? They are. And I wanted mm-hmm. something to say, okay, you're good at this, and so you should do blah, 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 blah. I will <laughs> tell you, though, as I've gotten older and matured, when I go back to those strengths, either when I would be interviewing for jobs or looking at what I wanted to do, I do go back to my strengths. And one of my top strengths is woo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not surprising. Yes. Yeah. So for listeners, that's win others over. So whether it's sales or whether I want to get a message across or whatever it might be, that um, that seems to be my number one. Okay. I love that. Well, and I want to yeah. just go one double click on this. Yeah. So several of my other top strengths. So, you know, Strengths Finders gives you your top five. Right. Discipline, achiever, focus. We're all in the top five. And so is significance. So if you look at the career that I've created, yes. this entrepreneurial venture, it is sitting right in the sweet spot of those five. Did you have a coach help you figure that out? Or did you, no. you did the work on your own? I did. Yeah, I did. But it is, you know, and it's a framework we use inside of the work I do with clients, but not overtly. We, the, my belief is it's when you understand your gifts, your talents, whatever tool you use to figure those out, there are tons of them, right? Yeah. Strengths Finders was one I loved. Right. When you match that up with where is there an audience I want to serve, a community of yeah. people who I want to serve, and a problem I want to solve. You know, so what problem do I want to solve for whom and and how am I going to use these gifts and talents to solve it? Like that's where you get to purpose. That's where you start to figure out where you can really make an impact without breaking a sweat, you know, because it just feels so natural. Okay. I'm obsessed with that thinking. I recently watched uh, Sarah Blakely, who's the, you know, the CEO of Spanx yes. founder, whatever. And she talks about figuring out your purpose and you kind of hit on all those three areas. And what was new for me that you just mentioned is for whom. Mm -hmm. Hers was um, if a problem wasn't solved, who would you cry for? It was something similar to that. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, what would break your heart? It was what Mm -hmm. would break your heart if it wasn't worked on. Yep. And that was just a new and different different perspective for me and I and it was and it was helpful so I okay that's awesome all right so we just talked about you know gifts and then how do you know your gifts okay let me ask you this so you said that you have you're a futuristic thinker how do you keep yourself grounded because you kind of mentioned that you know (laughs) that it's hard it's a good gift but yes because I am like that uh-huh. And sometimes I want to move to the next project. So how Always. do you manage that? I know. I know. So I so there's two answers to this. There's how do you stay grounded and like in the moment so you don't miss it. And yeah. then there's also how do you stay on task? Right? How do you finish what you started, which yes. I'm hearing a little bit in the question. Yeah. I don't think I have as much of the second problem. So classic entrepreneur would be, you know, you're chasing bright, shiny objects and you don't want to finish what you started. Um, I am at my best where I can bring my team in behind me to finish the details. That's definitely my comfort zone is your, maybe my 
optimal zone is, you know, I want to have the idea. I want to get it framed up. I want to bring my team in behind me to continue executing so I can move on to the next idea. That's ideal. But because I have focus, you know, because that's also a strong, I can stay on task and finish what I started. And I, you know, I have that diligence. Yes. Staying fully present is a different story, right? Um, Very hard for me to claim a win a success to sit in that moment and mm. stay there. Um, I'm very readily moving on to, but what's next, but what's next. And so the, for me, what works is I call them foundational balance practices. That is a very nerdy term, <laughs> but <laughs> I like it. Foundational balance, balance practices, practices. Yeah. Okay. Right. And it's, it's rooted in because the company is brilliant balance. What's at the foundation of balance for you, for anyone? You know, do you, what are the things that make you the best you, that bring you that joy in your life where you actually are living it? You're not trying to just get through it. You're actually, you want to be in that moment. And you know, so for me, an example would yeah, be- Yeah, give an example. Um, one example would be time alone every day. Oh, okay. So as a working mom of three, you know, yes. I run a company, we have clients, I have three kids, I have a husband, I'm involved in my community. Time alone is hard to come by. But it's really important for me to feel like I can have it. I don't need a lot of it, but I need to know I can have it frequently. Yes. Can I tell you what mine is? Yeah, go. Mine would be um, like games, a con- competitive physical activity. Uh, that's awesome. I love that. But I don't. And, I only get that like twice a week. Okay. But twice a week is is good. The idea is daily. The way we teach this is usually these are at such a core level that daily is optimal. So sleep is one for me. Yes. You know, if if I don't have enough sleep, I am definitely not in the moment, right? I'm unfocused. I'm foggy. um, I can't, my short-term memory suffers. um, I'm cranky, you know, so sleep is foundational to me being able to be all in, in the moment. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're they're not too hard to come by, but they are different for everybody. We've learned like there's quite a spectrum, but most people with a little bit of thought can come up with what theirs are. I'd say another one for me, you said alone time. For me, it would be downtime because mm-hmm. uh, I feel like with work and then I'm typically out a lot of nights and I've noticed that I need a few nights. I know what this optimal was daily, but I, I noticed that like some Friday nights, I don't want to talk to anybody except maybe my husband. That's it. Yep. That's new for me, though. So, Cheryl Ann, what might have been true for me in my 20s is different for me in my 40s. Oh, a thousand percent. So will these change? Yes. Yes. Okay. Definit- I, mean, think of, I think my need for time alone is dri- it's, a, it's a responsiveness to the fact that my life is very full and noisy most of the time. Right. Somebody always needs me, except when I'm alone. Right. So that the time alone creates that that sacred space where nobody needs me right now. You yeah. know, you kind of get some reprieve. So if your life is very social and extroverted and you're around people and you're saying, I need some downtime, you may not have needed that as much at a different phase. So this is the whole piece. Like you ask your coaching clients, what is the foundation of balance for you? And that would be some of those examples. Yes. Are there other practices? Tons, tons. I mean, I think for, you know, my audience is predominantly professional working moms. So big jobs, 
running families, kids at home, that's primarily the audience that I'm serving. So the demands on their time are extraordinary. And, um, and so we start there foundationally, what do you need to be doing again, usually daily, um, sometimes several times a week to really help you be fully energized. You know, we describe it as like everything in your life is taking energy. Where are you going to source that energy? And, and that's, that these are the practices that it comes from. Um, but that's not the only thing that really makes life work or creates balance. It's just, it's this base set of practices that kind of gets people started. In other words, it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you're not doing those things, you really can't even think about, am I stepping into my purpose or my potential? Um, because you're just overwhelmed by the daily demands of life. So was there some life experience that you had that led you to this work? Yes. And it was an evolution versus like a moment of crisis or a moment of clarity. Yeah. Right. So, you know, my story was life was pretty easy before I had kids. I mean, Mm -hmm. I really, um, I always say I was a rock star before I had kids. I mean, I had, (laughs) my life was in order. I knew what to do. I was climbing the ladder, you know, like everything just was falling into place and kids really threw me off kilter. And I had to relearn an operating system Mm. that would work with children. Um, And I learned that so does everyone else. It's not natural. There's not a natural... Um, nobody hands you a playbook and says, this is how you're now going to be able to run your life now that you have multiple extra people who depend on you for life itself, right? There's no playbook for that. Was anything modeled for you from your mom or do you feel like it was a different time and things were just different? I think it was a different time and things are different. I have a fantastic mom. She was a teacher. She was done with work at three. She had summers off. Mm -hmm. Um, Holidays off with you. Holidays off with me. That was a, and and I was an only child. So there was a different, um, there was a different rhythm to our household because of that, you know, and it was a different era. So I think when you look at societally, what are the change, what are the new expectations that we are putting on ourselves about motherhood? And then you add to the opportunities and expectations that we now have of ourselves about our careers. We're we're just in unprecedented times. No generation has really done it like this. Um, and so we need new models and, and there really wasn't one. So I backed myself into one. I reverse engineered, how does this have to work? And once it started working and I realized so many other women were struggling, but they had these incredible professional aspirations, big dreams that they wanted to go chase. Yeah. And they were giving up on those dreams. Like that's what I saw happening around me was my peer group was saying, you know what? It's just not possible. It's too hard. It, it, I'm going to... I'm going to downshift. I'm going to go part time. I'm going to opt out because this is this is stupid. You know, we're and, killing ourselves. And, right. I was going to say health was impacted, relationships were 100%. impacted. Yeah. Okay. So, can you give us a glimpse into how you re-engineered it? Yeah, and it starts really with what I just shared. I mean, I think I had to get clear. It's such a cliche to say like self care is important, right? Um, it is, but it isn't because so it's it's funny um, in this this most recent role that I have, uh, the majority of the people on my team were millennials having children, mm-hmm. and 
I was so surprised at the number of times that I would say to them, you need to go home and be with your kids. Get out of the office. This is all bullshit when it comes down to it, right? Like, let's put it into perspective and go be with your kid. Yeah, it's, it sounds like you were a great leader in that. I mean, oh, somebody wow. does need to almost give them permission or give us permission collectively to say, that's that's been one of my big insights. No one is going to do this for you. Mm-mm. In fact, your leadership may not even know how you're no, suffering. No, they you don't. Know, yeah. Because most of these women are so capable and so proud and so... Um, attached to the level of accomplishment that they had when life was simpler, right? When they didn't have this many demands that they, they won't tell anyone, you know, how they're struggling. They're just pulling that third shift and not sleeping and giving up all of the edge, all the breathing room. Yeah. So that the basis that, you know, if I simplify, how did we engineer this? The first piece was around how do you make sure you're fully energized and managing your energy is very practical. There are very proven steps for how to do it physically, mentally, emotionally, right? Mm -hmm. Some of the things we just talked about with these foundational practices fit in there, but managing your energy is step one. If you are not fully energized, you can't survive in advance, right? Right. You're just running like with the dimmer switch on. Mm, That's a good analogy. And I would say that's how a lot of women are walking through life. So I kind of feel like I'm doing that right now. Maybe we get into that in a minute. I know I'm, I'm guessing there are a couple other things, points that you want to bring up, but oh my goodness. I mean, I we, I could talk to you 20 hours on this. All right. So what are the other ones? And then can you get into how you helped me stop walking through with the dimmer switch on, which is an amazing term. I love it again. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So the... Second piece of the puzzle, like once you get somebody fully energized, the second piece of the puzzle is really, then they start thinking about, well, what am I doing with all my time? Right? So we call it productivity. That's like everybody's shorthand, but it's, if I'm in control of my energy and I have enough of it, now I start thinking about how am I doing the right things with this energy, right? Yeah. Within And so productivity, there's two big problems people have. They either don't have a plan, right? At a level of detail and rigor that like is meaningful or they're not sticking to their plan, you know, or they have a plan, but they're just not using it. Right. So when productivity falls out of rhythm, it's because of one of those two things. And so that's the second step is like looking again at what does an ideal week look like? I really like the week framework for this stage of life because a day is just too short to optimize. And you were doing that very instinctively before. You're like, I need to do this a couple times a week, right? That's yeah. that's why the week is like the perfect unit of time. Okay. Well, I was going to say, I have this great um, journal and I actually talked to another guest about this and it's called Best Self. And I know there are multiple journals out there, but I like that it gives me that week perspective. Yeah, that's it's a great one. And there's so many. Right. I mean, I tell people you can do this with a sheet of notebook paper. And then the cool thing that happens is when people, when we get these women energized and they're actually starting to feel like themselves again, right? And then they start thinking about how am I going to optimize my week and really get the things done that are boring and mundane, but necessary Yeah, with as little time as possible 
So I have more time for the exciting stuff I want to do or to take care of myself or to breathe. Like that's awesome. Yeah. Then they start dreaming again. Then they're like, okay, I think I can actually steer my life towards something bigger. I, I can, I can recast a vision for what does this next chapter look like? And because I now believe it's possible that, you know, I might actually be able to get there. So that's, the that's the three pieces is it's you know getting energized and then feeling more productive and then ultimately feeling fulfilled so i've found that people struggle the most with the dreaming piece of it mm-hmm. How, what is your recommendation i know you said if you have the other pieces in line but some people will say well how do i dream everyone says how do i dream <laughs> right and it is such a, that is to me like this giant blinking light saying, Houston, we have a problem. Yes. You know, if, if we have literally forgotten what it feels like to imagine a better reality, you know, to imagine something that we might want to go after, like that is the problem right there. Mm-hmm. So, but I understand it. I've developed compassion for it because you can't get there if you are so overwhelmed by laundry and carpools and email. Like you can't dream because you're just squished under all that pressure. You know, you can't get there if you're not sleeping and you're not taking good care of yourself. So, so it's a symptom. Like when people say, I don't know how to dream. I'm like, okay, we're not there yet. We need to go back to these earlier foundational steps and build you up to a place where you naturally start dreaming. Okay. And they do. So it's almost like you're making space in the room right? Mm-hmm. So you're decluttering and creating space so that you can dream, but you have to declutter first. That's right. That's a, that's really well said. You know, I use the word curation a lot that you have to decide what's in and what's out. And so you can't just keep adding new things in. Man, that deciding what's in and what's out is hard. Mm-hmm. Not saying it can't be done. So uh, I had a friend last year it was the year of yes for her. She was going to try new things. And it was the year of no for me. <laughs> because I was like, I have to start saying no to some things. I don't like saying no to people because I always want to people please. But I cannot. I have to make choices. And I want to be choiceful because mm-hmm. my word for the year was focus, which goes back to what you were talking about at the beginning. You said you're really good at that focus piece. And I knew that that was an area that I needed to improve. And so it was, that was my word for the year. I even had a, a necklace that somebody gave me with the word focus on it. Awesome. Isn't that nice? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's really good. I still think somebody said, what's your word for 2020? And I'm like, I think it's still focus. I better I, I, stay there. For a <laughs> it, it's not go. It's not moving. It's not going mm-hmm. away yet. Okay. So back to my question before, which was, what do you do if, um, you're running with the dimmer switch, switch on. on. Well, if 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 that means to you that you're kind of tired, quasi tired all the time, right? If if that's the piece of that that connected for you, and it's like I'm just not at full tilt in terms of energy, then that's where you start. You go back to those. What are the foundational practices that you're not doing? Okay. Okay. And. And, and it might be for you based on this discussion, you know, you think doing them a couple times a week is enough, but that might not be enough. Okay. You may have to do it more often. So that's you, you start there because you want to feel awake, fully awake, 
fully lit up during the day. But the other way that metaphor works about the dimmer switch is if you're just kind of bored. And so, you know, we work with some women who say, I'm mm-hmm. just going through the motions of this. Yeah. Like, it's not that I don't have the energy. I just, I'm just going through the motions. I'm bored, right? Life's like meh. And that is a signal that actually you have to reconnect with those dreams. That's, that's a dream chasing signal. Like what I'm really steering my life toward doesn't excite me. So I'm just going through the motions and, and people can use that dimmer switch analogy in either of those two camps. I love that concept too, of the dream chasing signal. That's really cool too. That resonates big time with me. Okay. My final question. This is going to be a zinger. I'm just kidding. It's not really. (laughs) What do you know now that you didn't know 10 years ago? What what do I know now that I didn't know 10 years ago? Yes. So many things. So the first thing that came to my mind was there's no such thing as failure. And and then I remember I'm on a podcast called Failing (laughs) Forward, right? No, but it's everybody has their own definition. Well, I mean, so here's why that's what comes to mind. If if I would have been asked what was my biggest fear 10 years ago, right? When I was making the decision to leave my corporate job and strike out on my own and start something from nothing, you know, just I'm going to make up this thing out of my head and put it into the world and see what happens. Yes. Um, My biggest fear was that I was going to fail and be humiliated. Yeah. you know, that it just wasn't going to work. And, you know, as an achiever and a type A person and Enneagram three, like I am all the things about not wanting to fail. You, anything you can type me by, right? I don't, I don't want to fail. Right. So that was the biggest fear. And I think what I've learned is like, there's no finish line. Mm. So every time something, you're just steering constantly. Like there have been a million things in the last 10 years that I would say you could define as a failure, but I really don't define any of them that way because they were like pivots, like turns in the road. And they building were, blocks. Yeah. Like new, like the, the, the dial turned again and it, it morphed into something new, right? Like, because when you started Nourish, which was your first business when you left P&G, correct? Yes which was for our listeners really quickly. Want to explain what that was? Because that's sure. your business is different now. A hundred percent different. It was the only thing that's the same is that I still work with women in a coaching capacity. That's the only thing that's the same. So it started off as health and wellness coaching coupled with um, essentially personal chefing services. We had women who would who would go into your home and cook a week's worth of healthy meals. So the the thing that's the same is the market, you know, professional women, yes. kids at home, that's the same. Um, coaching is the same. Coaching them through life, right? But th- other than that, the businesses are absolutely, they're not alike at all. Okay. But what I love though, is that I think what's f- my favorite about my guests is that what I love about all of my guests is that what they started out doing wasn't where they are now. Like to your point of they just needed to be constantly steering. They had to pivot. They had to change. And that's okay. Yeah. And I got to be honest. I think I've learned that I would be bored. I would probably invent a problem (laughs) if, you know, like if I I was doing the exact thing. So the way I think about it now is the game is not get a business to a place where there's no problems. 
right? Yeah. Or get a career to, I don't ever want to be in a mode where it's like, mm. I just want to set it and forget it. You know, in 10 years from now, I'm just collecting a paycheck from the beach. That is not using my talents like at all. So I want to be solving new problems. Every level of the, the business is many multiples bigger, right? Than it was when I started. So I'm solving entirely different problems now. We are, we have a much bigger vision about the impact that we want to have on women. The projects I'm working on are different. So it's, that's, none of it is failure. It's just, it's, I mean, it sounds so cliched, but it's like, it just morphs into something new every time, like some kind of animated superhero, you know, it just literally it grows. A, yeah. Just becomes a new thing. So there's a pre, like we have a signature program called Breakthrough. It's our most popular program. And it had a previous incarnation. It had a different name. It was called Shine. And, and you can see the seeds of Shine in what we do in Breakthrough, but it's totally like new and improved and morphed into something different, right? And that will happen again someday. So it, that's just the new way I think about it is... Um, how much runway do I have with this idea before it morphs? So any any one of those things, if you said, well, this isn't working anymore and this is the end of the road, I guess that's how you'd call it, uh, you know, it failed. Well, but that's why we call it failing forward, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's taking something that I believe has run its course and then pivoting and, and doing something new and learning from that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I want to close out and say that I love our conversations and you you help me and I know you're going to help so many people that listen to this podcast and all the people that you touch through your business. And I also want to say that I believe that there are no coincidences. I believe that we were meant to meet each other. And listeners, what's crazy is that when I had the blow dry bar, Cheryl Ann came and got headshots done there. We had never met. I saw her headshot. But I didn't make the connection until somebody just introduced us, you know, a couple months ago. So it feels full circle. And again, I do not believe in coincidences. And I'm so happy that you were on the show today. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Take care. I want to thank everyone behind the scenes, especially Adrian Donica and the team at Gwyn Sound. Also, please find us on social media outlets at Fail Forward Pod.